Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of A Higher Branch. Well, in today's podcast, I'm flying solo and I want to start a journey with you. A series of podcasts designed to help you define your identity, achieve your goals, and teach you a system for living that is very powerful and one that I have personally lived by since the age of 19. So in this podcast, you're going to learn why relying on motivation will destroy your happiness, the biggest con and myth about success and motivation, the important life lessons that they didn't teach you at school, how to build a strong identity, and it's going to culminate in the important questions we all need to ask ourselves daily and the 456 system for identity change that I teach in my personal one-on-one coaching and one that has been taught at our previous workshops and events. So first, I want to answer the question of what's wrong with motivation? Well, there are three things wrong with motivation. And I'm going to cite a recent study that was done by the School of Psychology at the University of New South Wales, Department of Psychology at the University of Leuven, the National Drug and Alcohol Research Centre at the University of New South Wales, and the Melbourne School of Psychological Sciences. And the overpromotion of motivation and happiness causes anxiety. The expectation to be on the whole time is really unrealistic. And the research that I just mentioned by those four universities is now showing that this increases rumination in response to failure. So they did three experiments. In the first two experiments, three groups of participants were asked to complete an anagram task in which you have to unscramble letters to create words. In two of three groups, the anagram task was impossible to complete. So that led to a failure experience. In the first failure group, subjects were seated in a happiness room full of motivational and well-being posters, books and sticky notes. In the second failure group, subjects sat in a neutral environment. The third group had doable anagrams and they sat in the same happiness room as the first group. Now, all subjects were then given a series of measures, including one for rumination. So subjects who failed the anagrams and sat in the happiness room ruminated significantly more about their failure than subjects in the neutral room who failed the task. And the subjects who failed in the happiness room also experienced greater negative emotion as a result of their rumination. So a second correlational study corroborated these findings and found that the more people believed their culture or their work environment or their family or their friends expected them not to experience negative feelings, the worse their emotional well-being was and the more likely they were to ruminate over about negative experiences in their own lives. So this tells us that the need to feel motivated all the time is really bad for our happiness. So that's the first thing wrong with this focus on motivation. It causes anxiety, it causes us to be even unhappier because when we lack motivation, we feel like that there is something wrong with us. And that's what that study proved. 
The second thing wrong with motivation is that it leads to dumping on yourself when you are not motivated. And a lot of people do that. So when people don't feel motivated, they start to doubt themselves. And then this leads to the third thing that I think is wrong with relying on motivation. And that is, it leads to inaction. And this is one of the tragedies of the millennial generation because they are the smartest in human history. They have the most amount of resources at their disposal, but they're stuck in this loop of hope without habit. They're stuck in this loop of wishing, dreaming, visualizing, trying to manifest, but they don't take action because, again, it's the motivation trap. If motivation becomes a prerequisite for taking action in your life, for example, the types of actions, cooking, cleaning, commuting, reading, learning, you know, exercising, working hard, going on a date, being intimate, you know, doing life, then you will put off doing those things until you are motivated. So it's the combination of all three dysfunctional thinking about motivation then leads you down a negative loop of anxiety, doubt, and more inaction, and even less motivation because you start to feel bad about yourself. The negative self-talk then kicks in, Things like, I'm not fit enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not pretty enough, I don't have enough time, my parents messed me up, I went to the wrong school, it's in my genes, etc., etc. We've all indulged in that negative self-talk. Now, I'm not saying that motivation is totally bad. It is just transient. And we should not be relying on it to do life. Motivation is not what makes for progress. Motivation is a byproduct of progress. It is not the goal. It is not the start. It is the result. So I suggest you stop using the word motivation in sentences such as I'm not motivated to dot 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 or I'm waiting to get motivated or I need someone who is self-motivated. You know, whenever I hear my managers in the office saying I need someone who is self-motivated, I have to stop them and say that's not how human psychology works. If you want someone to be motivated, then go back to the basics. Teach them the systems. Teach them the daily rituals. Teach them the step-by-step guides. That's what leads to progress in life, which then leads to motivation. Imagine if business ran on motivation and not systems. Imagine that for a second. There would be no consistency. You would call Qantas one day or Telstra the other day and get totally different customer experiences because inevitably all organizations including mine is run by people and people are not motivated daily i certainly am not so i don't rely on motivation i rely on systems and i'm going to teach you a very powerful system today and over the next a few episodes of a higher branch so I've learned that the reason why my business has become successful because it runs on processes, it runs on systems, the performance of essential tasks. Now, business does not perform those tasks when their people feel motivated, right? So we have systems for working, but why not have systems for living? You know, we work by design, we have systems, we have computers, we log on, we have processes that we need to follow. We have all followed a system at some point in our life. When we were at school, we followed a certain structure. We studied by design. We followed a curriculum and we work by design. So why can't we live by design? Spontaneity is overrated. 
Happiness is not spontaneous. Having good health or having a great relationship with your partner or family or clients and colleagues doesn't happen by accident. Only accidents happen by accident, right? So the question is, how do you design a life system? Firstly, let's hit the recent button. I want to tell you about the biggest con and myth, and that is successful people do not run on motivation. You may hear and see motivational videos of them on YouTube, but they do not run on motivation. They run on systems. The moment you start appreciating this is the time you will take all the anxiety and doubt off your shoulders. Successful people have daily rituals. They have daily habits. They have daily life hacks that they follow, whether they are having a good day or a bad day, whether they feel energetic or not, whether they have an argument with their friend or their spouse or their family member or not, whether someone wronged them or not, whether they have eaten or not, whether they have slept well or not, they show up and follow the system. Sometimes motivation flows as a result of that, but motivation is not the prerequisite. So let's discuss what I call the motivation trap in a little bit more detail. If you rely on motivation in your life, you will become addicted to positive memes and inspirational people, inspirational talks. You will need them like a daily drug to get you going. But then you get stuck in this loop of planning or gonna do something, but I'm waiting to get motivated. But the end of the day comes and you think, all I've done is listen and read motivational stuff, but I haven't actually taken action. So, and you'll get addicted to social media because it fuels this addiction. You will spend your energy chasing instead of doing. Please don't. You will end up being an easy target for people trying to sell you stuff to keep you pumped. A friend who is a very senior executive at a financial institution recently confided in spending $10,000 on a program that did nothing. And it angered me so much because life systems are free and there are many caring people in the world today sharing those systems that deliver. People like David Goggins is one of them. And if you attended our Upgrade Your Life events, you will notice a common thread. None of our speakers talk about motivation. They talk about principles, values, processes, rituals, habits, routines, hacks. David Goggins himself snubs motivation. He talks uh, about being uncommon among the uncommon talks about going dark or going off the radar, as he calls it, callousing the mind, the new norm. He is sometimes labeled as motivational, but he tells people not to hero worship him. In his book, Can't Hurt Me, he tells us that if you follow your own system for living, you will become your own hero, not need anyone or any course or any program. Now, I want you to listen to this short snippet of Goggins, which gives you an insight into the difference between motivation and doing. You're gonna die never even trying to reach your full potential. This was the life that you were supposed to live, but you didn't try. Those of you who are listening to this, whoever hear this, you will not find toughness in a comfortable environment. You will not find it. The only way you find it is to drown yourself in a position where you're just out of sorts. We all have two people, and I'm not saying you're crazy. We have the easy voice, which is that 20% telling yourself that you're, I'm easy at 90% of my full potential, maybe 100% at that 20%. That's that voice that we all love. 
That's that very comfortable voice. That, that's that mommy holding you saying, it's going to be okay. Doesn't care how good you are, just loves you. Just loves you no matter how messed up you are in life. This other voice that we walk very far away from is the voice saying, hey man, you ain't doing shit. So we try to get this voice out of our head completely. And we live over here in this land. So what you have to do first is turn up this voice over here. The voice saying things to you that aren't nice. That it's in our head saying, you know what, man? Dude, you're not, you're not doing shit. And it's not putting yourself down. People take this the wrong way in this new society. I'm not saying to put yourself down. I'm saying listen to the truth. And the truth isn't in the 20%. The truth is in this other part of your brain saying, look, man, you're wasting a bunch of percentage here. We have 80 more percent that we're not tapping into because in this other 80% is suffering, pain, failure, 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 self-doubt, darkness, and then a whole bunch of light. But to get to this light, you gotta go through all of this shit. So a lot of us know that. I can get over here, but over here, man, this is much better because I gotta go through this journey that is not fun. This, this from 20 to 100%, this in between is not fun. So we decide to live over here. So everybody goes, how do you do that? You know exactly how to do that. You know exactly, it's, it's not a magic trick. There's nothing I talk about in that book that's a magic trick. It's all back down to a very primitive mindset of we just have to do. It's like breathing. Breathing becomes normal. Like, we don't know that, that, that we're doing it. That's how you have to live your life. When that alarm clock goes off at four or five in the morning, your mind says no. You just say, this is what we do. It's what we do now. Because to get to where you want to go, the amount of pain involved, I'm not saying physical, I'm not saying you got to break yourself off, the amount of mental pain of how many times you're going to have to do something that you don't want to do to get to where you want to go is going to be, it, it, there's going to be more times you do something that, that you don't want to do than you are going to want to do. And that's, that, that's your new norm. That's your new norm. So then it's like breathing. And then once you do this over and over and over again, it becomes like breathing. I don't want to live this lifestyle, but to get to the other side of this, I have to. So if you really want it, you realize what trying is and what trying is not. You're not working your butt off hard enough. You're not trying hard enough. We all think we're trying hard, but what are you gauging that off of? I talked to this one kid the other day. College is kicking my ass. I said, what are you gauging that off of? I go, are you trying? He goes, yeah, I'm trying my ass off. I'm studying hard. I go, what are you gauging trying hard off of? Well, in high school, I didn't have to try at all. And I made great grades. In college, I'm trying hard. You're trying hard compared to what you did in high school, which was it came easy to you. So your reality is something that you created off of something easy. So you trying hard is two hours of studying. I'm gonna tell you the difference in trying hard and trying hard. Trying hard is something in your mind just doesn't stop. 
we, we know two hours isn't enough. When I was 297 pounds and I was fat as hell trying to be a Navy SEAL, the scariest thing in the world to me, even to this day, was that that could have been the rest of my life. I thought then I was trying hard. That's the scariest thing in the world. I thought then, 297 pound, working for Ecolab, spraying for cockroaches, making $1,000 a month. I thought that was me at my 100% potential. Come to find out, a few years later, I wasn't anywhere near that. 106 pounds less, graduated Navy SEAL training, went on to do all these other things. Looking back on that, that was me trying hard. That's why people gotta understand what is in us. We have no idea until we start trying hard. And I mean really trying hard, where you're obsessed with, hey, this is my new norm. This isn't always fun. It's not always meant to be fun. And that's when you know you're trying hard. I had this haunting voice in the back of my head. We, a lot of us have it. We just ignore it. And it was there for years. So I knew in the back of my mind that I could pull off this whatever. Whatever I wanted, I knew I could. But I, I was afraid of the work. Because I wasn't gifted with brains. I wasn't gifted with God-given talent as far as like athleticism. So I knew to get to where I had to go, to be on the same playing field as these men, to even try out for this program, I knew the work was gonna be something that I didn't wanna even, even attack. So I was just put it off. But yet you did it. Because it haunted me. The voice in my head said, you know what, man? You're gonna die never even trying to reach your full potential. I developed a reality that wasn't real. That's the thing we always do. We can have a great life, but we always build this reality around the one thing we don't have. So therefore, our great life, we don't even see it. We see the one piece of clothing we weren't able to get versus the amazing things we have. So we focus on that. I was the king of focusing on the one bad thing in my life. The one bad person called me nigger. The, everything bad, I focused on that. But over here was a beautiful reality of my life. Even though I came from nothing, where I could have taken my mind for the possibilities of where I can go if I work harder. That was all over here. But I lived in the filth over here. This was the life that you were supposed to live. But you didn't try. Just by going to war with myself every day and putting these challenges and these goals and these obstacles, these insurmountable obstacles. So it wasn't about losing 106 pounds. Me losing five pounds was an accomplishment. Me losing 10 pounds and then 50 pounds. And then the more I did this, the more I gained confidence. And then the more I gained confidence, the more I realized these Navy SEALs, man. These guys can't do what I'm doing right now. I had no coach, had no trainer, had no money. I didn't know how to lose weight. I had no knowledge of what I was doing. I was just working. I was just sacrificing. And then through that, all these different tools started coming up. But I would have never found these tools if I didn't put myself in a very uncomfortable place. We all look for toughness. We all want it. 
but we look for it in a comfortable environment. You will not find toughness in a comfortable environment. Those of you who are listening to this, whoever hear this, you will not find it. I was trying to look for it everywhere. The only way you find it is to drown yourself in a position where you're just out of sorts, where you can't swim and you're drowning. Where you're drowning. You're drowning in life. But you say, you know what, man? That. I'm going to figure out how to backstroke or something. And then you're figuring out all these tools. Your mind starts to, when you quit, your mind does this. Because you're out. Once you say, I'm not going to quit, this is the 40%. When you quit, your mind says, we're done. So it doesn't expand. There's no expansion when you quit. When you say, you, uh-uh, this sucks, I'm drowning, I'm miserable, I'm suffering, I'm broken, but I'm not going anywhere. What happens to your mind is it does this. It says, he's not leaving. So we gotta expand, we gotta grow. We gotta figure this thing out. So then these compartments in your brain start to have, they have to work, they have to work. And then you start to engage parts of your mind that you never engaged before. But you can't engage it by sitting back in these nice chairs, drinking this nice water, talking to you, talking about what I want to do. That's where, so that's where the 40% thing comes in. It comes in when you're in suffer mode and you say, I'm not going to quit. You're forcing your brain now to operate on a level it's not used to, but then it becomes used to it. Okay, so we will stop it right there. Essentially, what David Goggins is talking about is not to get stuck in a trap of hope without habit, about goals and dreams without action. And effectively, he's talking about showing up no matter how hard it is. Now, real life success, you know, that path to real life success, it's not an easy path. If it was, then everyone that walked this planet would achieve that success and really it's about sticking to the systems to the daily rituals the daily habits you need to develop that will eventually lead you to that success not once in that video did he talk about motivation and ironically it is that approach that ultimately got him to motivate a lot of real life stories from our higher branch community and I'm going to share three of those stories. And these are three emails that I received from people who attended our Upgrade Your Life in 2020, which seems like a distant memory now, but it was only last year, just before the COVID pandemic. The first one is, my daughter was born with Drevet's syndrome, a catastrophic form of epilepsy with frequent seizures. Her condition means she has a severe intellectual disability, is nonverbal and very unsteady on her feet. She was hard work and it brought me down, so-called friends and family disappeared out of our lives and it made me depressed i became overweight was doing the bare minimum and i felt as if the entire universe was against me goggins prescriptions taught me how to turn things around and how to use my struggles as fuel my dire circumstances became the perfect training ground to be the best father and husband i could be i now run almost every day i've lost a load of weight most important i've been more involved in my daughter's life i've been able to show up every day for her and do the tough stuff ironically life is getting easier the second one my business was failing i was working long hours for nothing all i wanted to do was quit 
I worked at nights in another job to survive. I came across Goggins in an interview. What he spoke was hard because I didn't want to hear reality. I didn't want to face me. But with every principle he talked about, I wrote down and started doing without complaining daily. Four months now and mind still strong. F motivation, avoid distraction, just do. Thirdly and lastly, before Goggins, I was fat. I was lazy. I wasted money and time. I was in and out of depression. I was in danger of living a life so weak. After Goggins, applying Goggins principles and mental toolbox, I felt my life started to take on a new shift in perspective and endurance in the face of my problems. I now own my weaknesses. They don't own me. I show up rain, hail or shine. So there are three common threads in those three stories and it's all about showing up. It's all about doing the tough stuff. It's all about repetition daily. It's not about motivation. So my message is don't let motivation destroy your identity. It is a trap that I have seen many people fall into. An outstanding life is not built by motivation that leads to that magical transformation to your health, to your relationships, and to your bank account. Transformation is such a misused word that has somehow become synonymous with instant. The reality is that it takes much longer than that. It's a process of becoming who you want to be rather than what you want to achieve. This principle not only applies to you as an individual, it also applies to businesses, families, and sports teams. For example, you'll notice that the most outstanding and pioneering companies are not focused on outcomes such as optimal PE ratios or dividend yields. That's what mediocre companies focus on. They are instead focused on what they stand for, their values and the impact they want to make on the world. You know, Wharton Business School studied these companies and called them firms of endearment. These were companies focused on purpose before profit. But what the team at Wharton discovered stunned everyone. These same companies financially outperformed the S&P 500 by a ratio of 9 to 1 over a 10-year period. They ironically made the most profit. So this is the way we should leave. It is about having goal-less thinking, goalless thinking. It is about who we want to become as a process of daily refinement where there is no finish line. It is about taking daily action and following a system for conscious living without any attachment to the outcome and letting the results take care of themselves slowly over time. This is certainly how I live in my eight areas of life. For example, when it comes to the tree of health, I don't have goals that sound like this. I want a six-pack abs or I wanted to go to the gym three times a week. Now, such outcome-based goals and process-based goals set us up for disappointment. What happens if I don't get the six-pack abs? What if I miss going to the gym? Or what if I do get six-pack abs? Or what if I don't miss going to the gym? Is that it? If I don't get the six-pack abs, if I miss going to the gym one day, I'm going to end up feeling like a failure and blame myself for not having the big M-word, motivation. But if I do achieve those things of getting a six-pack or going to the gym three times a week, have I reached the finish line? Is that my destination? Don't chase a destination. Enjoy the journey. Our addiction to motivation is one of the reasons why there are so many anxiety disorders in our society. Anxiety lives in the gap of where we are in our lives right now 
versus where we want to be. We have a restless desire to achieve, but no system for achieving it. That is essentially where the anxiety comes from. It's that hope without habit. Then we start comparing ourselves to successful people who have great lives, great businesses, and a great six-pack, and say, oh, they must have more motivation, more money, more luck, more opportunity, etc." when in fact they just have better systems for living. So this helpless way of thinking makes us give up and slips us back into a default state of mediocrity where we wake and live by old habits, slowly drifting in the direction of our greatest weaknesses, whether that is mindlessly scrolling social media, eating too much, procrastinating, binging on TV or blaming and arguing, whatever that weakness may be. The lack of systems in your life will inevitably lead to an identity crisis as you drift from one fad to the next in search of an identity that is not really yours. But if we focus on becoming who we want to become in the eight areas of life, and if you don't know what I'm talking about there and you're new to our community, go to higherbranch.com, that's ahigherbranch.com, and have a look at our eight areas of life framework, which I talk about in my book, A Higher Branch. If we focus on who we want to become in those eight areas, then we can never lose ourselves in the process. And we never give up because there is no deadline and no fixed outcome. We see ourselves as a work in progress, whether we are 20, 40, 60, or 80. Ultimately, the epitome of climbing higher in life, that is the essence, rather, of climbing higher in life. We never reach the finish line. Our trees of life continue to grow as we climb them, and they keep bearing fruit for as long as that we keep climbing them. When we focus on this type of identity change, we start to naturally focus on systems for living rather than on motivation. I'm going to share with you that system. But first... I urge you to start with who you want to become in all eight areas of your life. I want you to stop and pause right now and ask yourself, who do you want to become in the eight areas of life? Now, this will spark the right kind of motivation, identity-based motivation, not results-based and not process-based. You're not chasing a result and you're not just following a process, right? It's this kind of intrinsic motivation you know, identity-based motivation can be the spark that starts your quest for defining your identity. But to stick to it, you need to implement daily systems. Absolutely essential. I promise you nothing in my life has been achieved without following a system because my motivation has come and gone, come and gone. And if I relied on that, I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am in life at the moment. So it is systems that leads to progress. It is systems you can count on bit by bit, day by day, your efforts compound. And you reach a tipping point where your life just becomes so much easier. And that's the tipping point that David Goggins talked about, where he said on the other side of that 20%, life is easier. But to get there, you need to do the tough stuff. So when you see successful people, what seems like an overnight success to everybody really began many months or years before. My success started at the age of 19. Just ask any founder of a great business or any athlete what their overnight success looked like. Behind every game are many hours of training. Behind every product launch is a series of workshops with trial, error, research, and painstaking review. I recall that first day, 2008, when I realized that I really wanted to become a runner after attempting the uh, city to surf. That's a 
race uh, in Sydney that goes for 14 kilometers, starts in the city and ends at the world famous Bondi Beach. Now, I love the freedom and the meditative trance of my sneakers hitting the pavement. So the next week I started trying to run. I woke every morning at the same time and walked a bit, ran a bit, puffed out, slowed down and repeated the process. Now, I didn't give up because I was not focused on a result and therefore no measure to live up to. I was focused on becoming a runner and that relaxed me into a state of patience and perseverance. I committed to the process and surrendered to the outcome. See, you see, that's the beauty of asking yourself, who do you want to become and not what you want to achieve? I didn't want to achieve anything, no time limit or anything. But consequently, two years later, I ran a half marathon in 96 minutes. Now, I'm not bragging about that result. It is just to demonstrate what is achievable when you keep going. Never in my wildest dreams when I first started that I could achieve such an outcome. But the outcome is what it is. So what I considered impossible two years earlier became who I am. Now, being the runner is part of my identity. It is one part of who I am. So when you start a new habit that is congruent with who you are, you're more inclined to stick to it. So don't try and be something you are not simply because you saw a celebrity doing it or an Instagram model living it. Be true to yourself and who you want to become. So right now, I want you to ask yourself, who will I be in one year's time, in three years time, in five years time? It's an important question. And I'm going to give you the tools to be able to answer that in a systematic way. You see, humans are designed for progress. It's what makes us happy, fulfilled and excited to be alive, growing, learning and challenging our boundaries. When we stop progressing, we stagnate, lose clarity and become lost and even disillusioned with our life. And the dreams we once kept in our heart will disappear. Now, many believe that gratitude is the key to happiness, but some forget that gratitude must be coupled with progress. What some people call depression is sometimes nothing more than stagnation of the human spirit through the lack of progress. So for progress to be made, you need to have a compelling and clear vision of who you want to become as a person. Otherwise, you're just not going to make progress. And in what direction? You need to know where you are going. It, It can't be about what you want to achieve. So there is an important difference, as I said earlier. The former is what gives us the power to stay relevant in an ever-changing world. Defining our identity clearly keeps us relevant. The latter, that is chasing uh, result, is transient and fleeting. So before I share with you the system for identity change, I want you to ask yourself the following important questions in the eight areas of life. So when it comes to your health, I want you to ask yourself, these are questions that you can design yourself, but These are some that I've just put together for the purpose of this podcast. For health, what will your body look like in 12 months? Your face, your hair, your skin. Will you be fitter, stronger, more flexible and be able to balance just as you did when you were younger? Will you be free from your addiction to sugar and other bad cravings? Will you sleep more peacefully at night? Will your mind be sharper and faster? What about your thoughts and feelings? Will you be more spiritual and have love and compassion in your heart? Will you walk around with a sense of gratitude for everything you have in your life? Will you be more kind and giving, not only to others, but to yourself? Will you do things with less haste and learn to savor your food and the warmth of the sun and live in the moment? Now, in the second area of love, I want you to ask yourself these universal questions. Will your relationship be stronger? 
Will you have more touch, more affection and more intimacy? Will you have more understanding and learn a smarter way of handling conflict? Will you hold hands in public? Will you kiss each other hello and goodbye every single time you part? Will you read to each other? Will you respect and support each other's goals and dreams? In the area of family, some of the questions will be, will you love and support your family unconditionally? Will you be an inspiration to them? Will you guide by example and not by imposing your will? Will you go on picnics together? Will you turn off the TV and Wi-Fi to cook, eat and clean together? Will you take turns telling stories and sharing your goals and dreams on a Sunday night? In the area of work, what new skills would you have learned in 12 months' time? How will you pivot and upskill yourself in the new era of AI? Will you be an inspiration to your colleagues and to your stakeholders? Will you be so valuable that every employer and every client will want to deal with you? Will you be achieving more in less time, more sustainably, meaning more efficient? Will you love your work and stay fulfilled even during the inevitable tough times? Will you be fearless in the execution of your work and in coming up with new ideas? In the area of friendship, ask yourself, who will your friends be in 12 months' time? What standards and values will they have? What social agenda and hobbies will you have to enjoy your friendships? Will you surround yourself with friends that make you laugh and make you feel good about yourself and who boost your confidence? You get my drift. So if you look at the other three areas of life, of learning, wealth and charity, ask yourself, what new skills would you have learned to stay up to date with a fast-changing world? What new books would you have read or listened to that caused a shift in your thinking or an expansion in your mind? Will you be more frugal and less reliant on money for happiness? Will you be kinder, more generous, and more conscious of others in need? So ultimately, all these questions about your identity, their sole purpose really is to get you to know thyself. Constantly ask yourself, who do I want to become? And treat each day as a building block to shaping that identity. So I'm going to teach you a system over the next few podcasts for living that absolutely works. It's all the stuff they didn't teach us at school, at university, and absolutely not at work. They didn't teach us how to love. They didn't teach us how to love somebody. They didn't teach us how to love ourselves. They didn't teach us how to love somebody. They didn't teach us how to deal with failure or rejection. They didn't teach us how to stay humble, whether we are rich or poor. They didn't teach us how to identify toxic friends. They didn't teach us how, you know, what to say to somebody who's going through a hard time. They didn't teach us anything about the eight areas of life. I mean, I see that as a tragedy and one of the reasons why I started a higher branch because I saw so many brilliant people who were great at their job but not very good at life. All this stuff we should have all learned at home from our parents. But Maybe and probably didn't because just like you, my parents were so busy, you know, working, trying to survive in this world of constant distractions and never-ending speed. We can't blame our parents. They did their best with what they were taught. But you can take control right now because I'm going to teach you a system that I have personally lived by and have taught for many years. As I said earlier, most of us have systems for working in our job, but do not have systems for living. I started a high brand success academy because I designed a system for living that is unique and equips you with a powerful and proprietary framework for constantly upgrading every aspect of your life. Now, I call it the 456 system for behavioral change. Now, I promise you this system will help you live every day 
as the dawn of a new identity. Day by day, this system will help you build a magnificent life without the need for motivation. And it is about having four rituals, five habits, and six life hacks. That's why I call it the 456 system. So I'm going to start you on that learning journey for identity change using that 45 system. And this is straight out of our higher branch workshops. Our academy is founded on two key core principles, holistic living. This is your what you need to focus on in life and conscious living. And this is how you climb higher in each of those eight areas of life. And these two principles are captured in two diagrams featured on our Higher Branch website. And these two models for living are unique and proprietary to our academy. So they form the basis of everything we do. All our workshops, events, books and presentations by speakers are delivered within these two frameworks. So this isn't something that I've read in some book and I'm just regurgitating. I would, I would never do that. I, I try and present information to you that you can't Google for yourself. And I always do it with the utmost of love and respect for your time and for your energy. I do this because these two systems provide clarity and a proven formula for progress and living with purpose. Now, this simple system is important because it is practical and prescriptive. Otherwise, you'll be wondering, what does it mean to have conscious living? What is conscious living? So most people don't realize that they spend up to 85% of their day living in their subconscious or from their subconscious in cruise control, thinking, doing and feeling the same way they did yesterday and the day before that effectively really living in the past now this is fine if this 85 percent is filled with positive stuff that serves your growth after all the subconscious is there as an automation tool for us to do the things without thinking and this frees up the subconscious mind to focus on high impact high return high reward activities like creativity strategy and meaningful connection with others but what if that 85% is filled with unwanted behavior that just gets repeated without thinking. The stuff that I mentioned earlier that we tend to drift to, you know, when we are living spontaneously and subconsciously, stuff like procrastinating, eating too much, binge watching TV, mindlessly scrolling social media, shopping online for stuff we don't need or picking fights with our family. You would probably identify with one or more of those um, negative behaviors. It is difficult to erase these behaviors, but you can replace them with better behaviors that serve the identity you want to create. So the four rituals, five habits, and six life hacks I will share with you will do that. It will change your daily behaviors, and that will lay the foundation for the life that you want and absolutely deserve. So in my next podcast, we will start with the four rituals that are the foundation for the five habits you need to develop and the six life hacks you need to infuse in your days. They are all essential for living consciously. You cannot stack the habits and the life hacks without first mastering the four rituals. The reason for that will become clear as I go through them because these four rituals will transform you at a deep level. Your life will start to flow and unfold beautifully, leaving you wondering why these rituals were never taught at school. But look, first I have to make a confession. These rituals are not easy to start. I'm not going to kid you. Infusing these four rituals daily is difficult at first. But know this, rarely does anything good in life come easy. You need to stay committed until you cross what scientists call the line of automaticity. 
This means that when you repeat something enough, it becomes second nature and easier. Like David Goggins said, it's about showing up. You need to be programmed to show up every day. Some scientists say it, you know, it takes two lunar cycles or two months, in other words, to cross this line of automaticity. But in my experience, it all depends on the difficulty of the ritual and the frequency in which you repeat it. Now, the former is subjective for all of us. What is extremely difficult for some can be lightly challenging for others. But I will outline a method that worked for me and I trust it will work for you. And that method is repetition and how to do it and tapping into your big why because we all need a big why, right? You need to know. And whenever you feel yourself in those first two lunar cycles, giving up on these four rituals, you need to tap into that big why. And for me, it is always my children. My big why is my children because I want to be what I want them to be. I want to be that example so they can grow up and have a contented, happy and peaceful life. I want them to grow up ultimately to be excited about waking up every morning with a smile. So the four rituals I'm going to share with you have absolutely been a game changer for me. And I know you you probably have heard uh, a lot of these rituals. So much has been written about them. But the way I'm going to teach them to you, I'm going to go dive deeper. So to get the maximum benefit, you will need to perform three of those rituals every morning and every night. The fourth ritual will be performed during the day, and I will explain that in my next podcast. As I said, I have mentioned these rituals in previous podcasts, but I'll be doing a deeper dive into each so you can learn to master each one. I can't wait to share it with you. It's going to be a great journey over many podcasts. And as I said, I always share this information with you with the utmost of love and respect for your not only for your time, but for your potential. And a reminder, if you could please subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a thing. And if, if you really love our content, leave a review as something for the next person who is thinking about listening to our podcast will really help people get a feel for what we stand for and what we believe in. So until then, live consciously, my friends.